This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Young and knocked away by Livers. Volley balls it back in. That'll do it. And Michigan has won at Ohio State. And they go to 16 and 1 and in the conference to 11 and 1. It's BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network. Michigan takes out Ohio State on Sunday. Sports bettors, are you ready? Download the Points Bet app now and use the promo code BetQL Daily to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. When you bet with Points Bet, you get faster bets, faster withdrawals, and faster rewards at your fingertips. Download the app now to experience this premium sports book for yourself. And don't forget to sign up with code BetQL Daily to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. So, are you ready? T's and C's applied. Void where prohibited. Must be 21 plus. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network. It's Joe Ostrowski and co-hosting with me, Adam Burke at Skating Tripods on Twitter. I'm at Joe0670. Going to get into some uh, college hoops. Eli Herskovich will be joining us in about 20 minutes to uh, specifically talk about his card for tonight. But uh, Adam, uh, certainly some notable things to go over. We do a lot of preview stuff on the show, but uh, there are some takeaways that maybe we should consider uh, moving forward to the college basketball season. We're 20 days away, by the way, selection Sunday. It doesn't even feel real to me as we're getting five, six games uh, postponed on a daily basis. They say postponed, but come on, they're not being played. No, it, uh, it doesn't feel real at all. And, and furthermore, the Horizon League Conference Tournament starts Thursday night. So our first oh conference gosh. tournament begins already <laughs> this week. Uh, now, of course, none of the teams playing on Thursday have a great chance at winning the Horizon League auto bid. But still, uh, it's it's getting to be that time. And I'll tell you what, I mean, as great as some of these regular season matchups are, I love conference tournament time. I, I know this is probably sacrilegious to say, but I prefer conference tournaments to the NCAA tournament from a wow. betting standpoint. I think there are a lot more opportunities with conference tournaments with futures and stuff like that. Well, if I think you can make the case if you're talking after the first four days, right? Nothing tops those first four days of March Madness, Thursday through Sunday, because after that, then it kind of it, it dips a little bit. It's still very excited. But then the feeling internally is kind of like, OK, I I wanted to root for this underdog, but. You know, they can stop winning right now because I I know in the end that won't make a great Final Four. No, yeah, absolutely. You know, you root for Cinderella until it gets to a point where you don't want to see Cinderella, you know, in that Final Four. I just think, like I said, from a a betting standpoint, conference tournaments, I mean, you've got usually two data points between the two teams to figure out, 
you know, you've got the futures markets that are out there that are usually not going to say mispriced, but there are some opportunities, money line rollovers. I'm sure you guys will talk about all this stuff once conference tournaments come around. But I, I'll tell you what, it's my that's my favorite time of the college basketball season, except for, you know, I guess the first two days. I, I'll give you that one. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, wow, that's amazing. I didn't even realize that we are already there on the schedule. Some of the smaller conferences having the conference tournament. I well, think so- the Atlantic Sun is like next Tuesday. So really? it, we're getting there, finally. Especially after I- we got robbed of so many last year because of COVID. Yeah, that's what I would do if I was a smaller conference. Let's knock it out a little bit early. And I know that this happens most years, but compared to, I, I think they're still on the same schedule compared to the big 10. We're talking about three weeks in advance. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Some of the major conferences, those teams still have like five games left to play. And in some of the small conferences, they won't play and they don't have anything scheduled until the conference tournament starts next week. So long layoffs, potential rust for those teams. Throughout much of the year, the number one story in college basketball has been, okay, you've got Gonzaga, and you've got Baylor, then um, there's an ocean, and it's everywhere. everyone else. Boy, if you uh, change your mind on that after watching, watching Michigan-Ohio State yesterday, some calling the game of the year, tough to really argue that one. Um, I understand if you think that the gap is a little bit tighter than many have said. Uh, Michigan winning yesterday, 92-87 to 87 over Ohio State. A lot of betters have been fading Buckeyes again and again and again, but uh, they kept handing them some L's. Yeah, yesterday. I can't blame people for fading Ohio State. I know I saw Eli tweeting about Ohio State's perimeter defense, and you know I mentioned it at the bottom of the last segment with regards to the Phoenix Suns and you know how I don't really love their shot selection. I don't see that as a very sustainable offense. Ohio State's number one in the country, according to Haslam metrics, in mid-range shooting percentage against an average opponent. And those are just such low percentage shots that, you know, Ohio State, it feels to me like the margin for error is very thin for them right now because they're not very big down low. The perimeter defense, as Eli mentioned, is something that's probably ripe for regression. I think the offense is ripe for regression. But maybe Chris Holtman's just that good. I mean, maybe he's just that good of a head coach. But to your question about Michigan here, you know, look, I mean, up until that COVID pause, if, if we want to call it that, there were people that said, look, Michigan might very well be the best team in the country or at least the second best team. And I think we saw a lot of that yesterday, especially with a guy, you know, like, like Hunter Dickerson playing so well in such a massive spot there. Ohio State didn't have an answer for him, didn't have an answer for a lot of different things in the late moments of that game. So Michigan made a statement and they are a team that, you know, I think deserves to be talked about in the same breath as Gonzaga and Baylor. Yeah. Every uh, prognosticator right now, it's going to have Michigan as your third number one. And and the question is what's going to happen. I mean, college basketball is going to happen and, and that's going to decide the finish. But right now the argument is between Ohio state and I, dare I say it, Illinois. I mean, I didn't buy all the way in. I, I was hearing all the offseason hype about the Illini, but but they are coming through. Uh, sometimes during some lesser opponents, they do disappoint and let teams hang around like Northwestern last week. But man, the, the uh, Illini have been impressive. And I say that basketball is going to happen bef- because before we get to the Big Ten tournament, the last two games for the Buckeyes, Iowa and Illinois, and uh, before that matchup against Ohio State, uh, the Illini have another tough one too. Yeah, for sure. And and 
You know, look, I mean, I, I think that you could make a really strong argument that the Big Ten deserves two number one seeds because it's such a strong yeah. conference all the way around. And to me, I think from a seeding standpoint, we're probably going to end up seeing that play out where the selection committee just looks at the full body of work for the Big Ten, the number of quality teams that are there, and does make a determination, barring you know some sort of massive collapse, makes a determination between Ohio State or Illinois, and you know that'll be that. And then you know, the, the top number two seed, whichever team that is, you know, is, I'm sure that they may wind up with a, a pretty safe and, and easy draw uh, you know, for being the, the top number two seed. So the selection committee, I mean, we know that you know politics are always involved and all of that, but unless, as you said, something you know crazy kind of happens here, it probably is Ohio State and Illinois for that last number one. Yeah, so Illinois wraps the season with Michigan and Ohio State. I mean, man, that if, if you win They're both of those, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely going to earn it. So I'm wondering if we're biased at all because uh, both of us are in Big Ten country, but when you look at sites like Bracket Matrix and they they compile all the different uh, prognosticators and okay, this is what we have here. I, I wonder if the committee is going to say yes, obviously Big Ten best conference in the nation, but they're also so good that after Gonzaga Baylor, they they deserve number three, number four, number five overall, and and maybe they end up getting um, four of the top eight. Like that's how it's set up with Iowa right there too. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, you know, you're probably as impressive as the resume has been most of the year for Houston. You're not putting an AAC team, you know, in in really the top five seeds, I would say. Probably not even the top six. Florida mm -hmm. State, I mean, look, the ACC is just not a very good conference. And I know everyone's trying to get Duke back on the bubble and trying to get Duke back in the tournament just to make the conference look a little bit better. But you know, I mean, Florida State, great team. They're going to be a very dangerous team in March. You know, they're very athletic, very long, very skilled. But the ACC just isn't that good of a conference this year either. Big 12, who who do you put up there after Baylor? Probably, probably nobody on one of those high seed lines. So, yeah, I mean, I think almost kind of by default, it, it has to be the Big Ten. And if it sounds like bias because we're in Big Ten country, so yeah. be it. But I just don't see an alternative. You can make a case for West Virginia, Oklahoma. That was uh, intriguing on Saturday. West Virginia taking down Texas. Something I was thinking about because uh, that is one of Eli's futures. He grabbed them at a shorter number before they, they dealt with some opt-outs and stuff. But uh, even as recent as last week, you could find the Mountaineers at around 50 to 1. I, I don't know what the number is now, but it's got to be shorter the way they've looked lately. Yeah, that's such a well-coached team. And, and that's something that's really important here at this time of the year is, you know, you look at these coaches where this is where they make their money. You know, sometimes we think about Tom Izzo in the past. I mean, Tom Izzo has lost some zip on his fastball to say the least, but that's a guy who his teams would lose a couple of games they probably shouldn't have in, in late November, early December. And then yeah. by late February and into March, I mean, they were firing on all cylinders. So you kind of look for teams that, that sort of do that kind of thing where – you know, they could over the next three weeks or so 
really rack up some impressive wins, move themselves up the seed lines a little bit. Maybe West Virginia with a very good coach and a guy like Bob Huggins uh, does have the ability to do that, you know, in what is a good but not great Big 12 conference. Uh, here on Monday morning, I'm looking at points bet, and West Virginia is the 20th favorite. They are 35 to 1. They, they could be a three seed. They could absolutely be a, C3, a three seed uh, with room to grow because they do have some impressive victories. Do you have uh, any college basketball futures, or is that not a game that you get involved in? Usually it is. Usually it's a game I'm pretty happy to get involved with, have kind of a diverse portfolio of you know, teams sort of in that generally the 40 to 80 to one range. And then, you know, maybe yeah. take some long shots there too. But, you know, with COVID, I, I just thought, you know, it was kind of a difficult thing to try and do in case, you know, some team winds up with an outbreak or, you know, some team winds up with a long COVID pause right before the tournament gets in, but they're rusty in a one and done format. So I'll look to probably do some more things with the conference tournament futures markets. You know, once we get some prices for those, I just think that that's just an easier way, more of a micro standpoint, instead of locking up money for a long period of time, hoping that there are no key injuries or no COVID. But next year at this time, I would expect I probably have 10 to 12 teams in a futures portfolio. Yeah, that's um, so I have a few futures we've discussed on the show. I, I got Alabama at 80 before the season started and hope, good number. hope hoping for the two seed. We'll say, yeah, it's a good number, but might go down in flames by the first weekend. Uh, but COVID is part of the reason I haven't added. So the, the uh, strategy of a portfolio, I'm I'm usually with you on that one. So COVID is part of the reason. But the other part, as I've been monitoring the season, watching it play out, uh, before anytime I'm considering a team, I'm thinking, are they going to be Gonzaga or Baylor? Because <laughs> I think they're going to be there in the end. So uh, since since there seems to be a bit of a gap uh, th this year, I've been a little reluctant to to uh, create a portfolio. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I, you know, my approach to futures is a little bit different, and I know we're going to talk about some baseball futures a little bit later on in the show. Yeah, it's great to pick the winner, but I'm also out there seeking out profit. So, you know, a lot of times I'll have a diverse college basketball futures portfolio going into the tournament and then be able to bet things, either hedge against those or, you know, maybe try to find some like, will this team make the Sweet 16? Yes or no. Will this team, you know, win the East, win the West region, whatever to kind of play against that future that I have so that, you know, I've got a lot of opportunities, a lot of irons in the fire, so to speak. That's another reason why I didn't do it this year, because I didn't know what those hedging possibilities and situations would look like come tournament time. You know, obviously, we know the tournament format is different, all being in one city, but in different places. You know, let's say you got a team that, you know, they rely on outside shooting and they play in one of the smaller gyms the first you know couple games that they play. Then they go to some massive venue for the Sweet 16 game. Well, you know, if that's a team relying on long distance shooting like a Creighton or somebody like that that's problematic to go to a place with much different sight lines that could be a negative in a one and done format. So I, I don't know, maybe I overthought it to some degree, but it, it just wasn't something I felt comfortable investing a lot of money into this season. Yeah, I get it. Um, so, so that's interesting and it, and it kind of adds to our hedging conversation earlier. So with the college hoops tournament, you're saying that there are many other ways to hedge. It doesn't have to be a one-on-one -on -one matchup. And then you're laying a bunch of money on a heavy favorite. Like let's say you have a two or a three in the East region, like you mentioned, uh, maybe before the tournament starts, you would consider uh, grabbing the one to win that region. 
Yeah, something like that. Or, you know, if, if they're in, let's say they're in the bottom half of, of the bracket for the East region, and maybe they run into a team that's a bad matchup. You know, maybe the the 2-7 game or the 2-10 game could be bad for them. Or, you know, maybe they wind up with a three seed that you know, is a very tall team, and they're a team that has to make their hay on the inside. Maybe I don't like that matchup. So then I can look at it and say, well, I can bet that three seed to make the Sweet 16 and get that at, you know, a bigger plus price as opposed to hedging in that one individual game. So there's a lot of stuff that, that kind of comes into the equation, but I think it's also what makes the tournament really fun too. Adam, I think a lot of people over the weekend when they saw Duke take down Virginia, um, they're like, okay, here we go. They're going to drum up some interest. They're, they're going to force Duke into the tournament. Duke, Kentucky, Sparty. How many of those three make the dance? Maybe one. I, I think one is, is a good number. One. You think okay. it's higher? You think it's two? Uh, it always depends on the conference tournament. No, I don't think it's two. I don't think it's two. One is about right. One of them will probably uh, do enough to impress. They, those coaches, all three of them, I don't think they could keep them out. No, and, and that's <laughs> the thing, too. I mean, you know, they're big draws. You, you want yeah. big draws in the tournament. 